My mom's beautiful because, um, because when she, um, her clothes look nice and her earrings and her eyes. My mother is beautiful because she has beautiful hair. Is that she doesn't have to put on makeup to be beautiful, she just is. Beauty can be overlooked and it can be in different ways. Um, beauty and kindness, beauty and looks, and um, she's kind. She's always there for us. Uh, she really just wears random kind of dresses and shirts and pants and random necklaces. Hmm, well, mentally, probably because she, um, well, she cares about us more than anything on the planet, as she says. Hair, body, and head. Uh, her personality is just beautiful, and how she acts around other people, very caring, very loving. She's just overall a good mom. Um, yeah, there are like a lot of people in my family, and she like knows the special things about just you specifically, and she cares about like everyone equally, and she does so much for us. She has like a really like big heart, and I think a lot of people should find that beautiful. My mommy is the best because I love her so much. I would describe my mom as sweet, loving, kind, awesome. Kind, um, loving, um, caring. Not aggressive at all, <laughs> like very kind and gentle. I, I would describe her as an amazing, wonderful, smart person. I would describe my mom as a hardworking individual who never gives up. Powerful, pretty woman that everyone would want to be friends with. I love my mom because she loves cuddling with me. When I am like having like a bad day, she like she notices. Like even if like my friends don't notice, or like if like my siblings are like not noticing, like she's like notices and she like keeps track of like all of us because we have so many people in our family. She just like like how could you not love someone that does that? My mommy is the coolest one in the whole world. I love her to the map. I sing Whitney Houston in the car with her a lot. And just have like jam sessions. <laughs> I like playing so with my mom because I always like to knock her out. Me and mommy like to eat ice cream. My favorite thing to do with mom is probably go bowling. Well, I really like to like go places like for her birthday we go places and we go to the zoo and I really like that she lets us go. My favorite thing about my mom is that she she likes to dance with me. Mm, that she's so cute. Yes. Well, she's always um, concerned about her health, which I like. She's unlike my dad, who just doesn't really like. He's okay, do what you want. My mom makes sure we eat healthy, makes sure we have good dental hygiene. The funniest thing that I've seen my mom do is gymnastics because she barely knows how to do a backward roll. <laughs> um, I love it when she dances because she has her own like mom moves, as I would say, like where she does like certain things, like she'll do this or something like crazy. Yeah, our cats like um, they're outside cats, cats, so they go out in the middle of the night 
and like she just like yells for them in the middle of the night and it's pretty funny because yeah. the neighbors are like <laughs> mad. Yeah. I like when she sings this milk song that I would only drink my milk to it if she would sing it. She goes, milk and milk, 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 milk and milk, 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 milk. <laughs> I love her very much, and well, why do you love her? Hmm, because she is nice. And does she help you with anything? Shush. Okay. <laughs> uh, mommy always helps me with homework, and there's like this impossible homework page today that she helped me with, and I was like, um. Claire, make Claire, a Claire. on focus. Make two of the shape, even though it's one, the same shape that you want to make Claire. two of it inside the shape. <sighs> it was impossible. Well, as we continue this morning, we want to take a pause for just a few moments and say to all the moms that are here with us this morning in the chapel, out in the atrium, and all those watching uh, all over the country online on uh, live stream. Wish you a very, very happy and blessed Mother's Day. We're so glad you're with us here this morning. And uh, you know, my mom's been gone for a lot of years. And uh, you know, I still think about her every day, but uh, it was when uh, we lost our dad less than a year ago. And uh, my sisters and I were up in Cleveland going through their house that we all grew up in. Uh, lived there since 1960. And going through their things that I really started to feel my mom's presence again because we were finding their things that they had saved. Um, and I was down in the cellar in a storage room that they had where they kept old antique knickknacks and things. And I found this bag on a shelf and I, I took it down and I opened it up and it was an answering machine. And on the top of it, was a note that my dad had written and it said uh, Bet's voice on recording and my heart just leaped because I thought I was going to get to hear mom's voice again but the comfort that I got, we hooked it up we plugged it in on my dad's workbench and I got his tools down and we're still there and I was trying to make, I couldn't get it to happen but in that moment of being sad for the loss of dad I was comforted, not by her voice, but just the thought of my mother's voice comforted me in that moment. And it reminds me so much of how the voice of God and God's presence in my life comforts me in all kinds of moments like that and in joyful moments. So as we uh, continue today, I wanted to share something that Neil had uh, brought to my attention and, and wanted me to, to share with you today from uh, Isaiah 66. And that verse says, in the same way our own mothers have loved and comforted us, God shows us that same love. So let's sing together about that amazing, comforting love. Well, happy Mother's Day. It is so great to have each one of you with us. Those who are sitting with your family, your kids, your grandkids here in the atrium, uh, or here in the chapel, rather, I want to say welcome and happy Mother's Day. For those of you watching out in the atrium, again, happy Mother's Day. We're so glad you're here. And for those of you watching online, maybe as, as you've been worshiping with us, you've noticed the pictures 
uh, and the, the video rolling, those are uh, flowers coming from an almond tree. The beautiful almond tree. And today we're going to look at that as a metaphor. The Bible uses the almond tree as a metaphor for beauty, for flexibility, bending back and forth as the almond tree bends and flexes to the winds. And we're going to look at the life of a woman named Lydia. And Lydia's name means beautiful. It also means nobleman. And also some say that it comes from the word almond tree, the bender, the one who is beautiful. In fact, uh, why would they call something like an almond tree the bender, except that it was highly flexible? It, it bent in the wind. It moved back and forth in the Middle East. Think of it like the, the palm tree of the Middle East, right? It flexes with the hurricane winds that come back and forth in it. And, you know, I was in Florida recently, and when I was there, I was talking with a group of moms and grandmothers about, you know, their life and their relationship with kids and grandkids. And while I was there, I learned that there are over 100 different types of palm trees. A hundred types. Now, I have never noticed. I mean, I've seen maybe a few different leaves here and there, but a hundred types? And sure enough, they showed different bark. One looks like a pineapple at the top. The other one doesn't. One has leaves that go out in all directions that are very thin. Another are very, are very husky. And as I was learning about all the different things I had not noticed in all the years of seeing palm trees, I heard this grandmother describe her relationship with her 20-year-old granddaughter. And they were disagreeing on some things, different perspectives, politically and otherwise. And as the grandmother was talking, she just talked about how she was trying to lean into the relationship and make sure her granddaughter knew that their relationship was so much more important than whatever they disagreed on. It was such a beautiful moment of just seeing a grandmother lean in toward her granddaughter. I thought, I wonder how many years it will take until that 20-year-old realizes how much leaning or bending just went on there. It was pretty beautiful. My mom is somebody who just had this incredible ability, almost innate ability, to put other people's needs ahead of her own. She just has this ability to bend toward other people like no one I know. So last year, about this time, COVID was in full force. Uh, my uh, wife had, was recovering from her second back surgery, and we had a lot of stuff we were juggling, and you know, some behavioral issues going on with my son and so th th our hands were full but I was on my Facebook post and I read this note from my mom it was a little meme that she posted she said one day when my children are grown I hope they still come through that front door without knocking I hope they head to the kitchen for a snack and rifle through the mail looking for their favorite magazine I hope they drop by unannounced come in and feel the weight of adulthood leave, for they are home. For my children, my door will forever be open. So I got a little extra care to help out at home, to help out with Beth and with Quinn, and I got in the car one early morning and I drove to Peoria, Illinois, Morton, where I'm from. My mom had no idea I was coming. So I'm getting a little bit close. I'm about five, ten minutes away, and I give a phone call. Hey, Mom, what are you up to today? Oh, I'm just having lunch with a friend. Oh, really? Where at? In Morton? Reset. I'm now take a turn. Oh, really? What, what, what kind of food are you going to have? Oh, we're going to have some Mexican. She knows I love Mexican. Where is there a Mexican restaurant in Morton? Oh, it's near where the, the mall was, where the old, the old Kmart used to be. Oh, I can take another turn. 
I said, what are you having? By now I'm in the parking lot. She says, oh, I'm having a little chip, chicken chimichanga. I know lots going on with you, and, and I don't know when the next time you'll ever be in Groveland, Illinois, uh, but we ought to go here together if we could. I said, that's a great idea. We ought to have lunch together sometime. I don't know, things have been really busy and very chaotic, so I don't know when I'll be there next. Lied. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but we should do that. I said, yeah, in fact, you know what? Why don't you order me a chicken chimichanga? Now, it's outdoor seating because of COVID. She's got her back to me, and she's sitting with a friend, and I'm now walking up behind her. She looks at me, or says in her voice, puzzled, she says, I could order you one, but how would I get it to you? To which I'm now right behind her, to which I tap her on the shoulder, and I say, how about I eat it with you right now? And her jaw drops, and we just had the best time for the next couple of days, laughing and talking and sharing and playing games and going up to my grandmother's old house and going actually to my grandmother and grandfather's grave together and just celebrating family together. It was just beautiful. And I just told her this week, it was actually that Facebook post that inspired me to surprise her that day. And today we're going to look at just the beauty of those who adapt. My mom's adapted to me so much, and it's amazing that I could just in a small way adapt and bring some joy into her life. See, motherhood is the honoring of bending and beauty, of fruitfulness and flexibility. And I want you to notice today. Like there's a hundred palm trees I didn't notice. I want you to notice all the women in your life that God has used to influence you and to shape you and not miss the beauty all around you. The first thing we like to notice is the idea of beauty and, and, and bending. In fact, we're introduced to the Bible to a woman by the name of Lydia. And again, Lydia is a powerful, powerful influence in the Bible who's rarely talked about. In fact, her name, Lydia, she is from the Lydianites. And the Lydianites were those who came from the Hittite Empire, to which you're like, I've never heard of the Hittite Empire. That's right. They're the ones that invented coinage, to which some of you are saying, what's coinage? They're they're little metal circles we used to keep in our pockets that had dead presidents on them. Uh, you, You may have heard of it before, but the coinage. And so Lydia, who some people think her name comes from the almond tree, she actually had this history of, of business and influence. And that's where we pick up the story of Lydia, where Paul is making his way through Macedonia or Greece when he meets her for the first time. Now, he's just leaving this place called Troas, and he's headed west to Philippi, a major metropolis, a big Chicago, New York-sized city of his day. And here's what it says in the book of Acts. As they arrive there, they've been sailing, and they arrive in Philippi, which is the foremost city in this part of Macedonia. It's a colony, and we were staying there for a few days, only a few days, that'll be important in a second. And here's a woman who's learned how to be incredibly prosperous and successful in a major metropolis. Yet that's not the first thing that Paul notices about her. What he notices is that she's by the riverside on the Sabbath. The passage continues. It's on the Sabbath. They went out of the city to the riverside, and there's a place there that prayer was customarily made. And Lydia's there with a whole group of other women who apparently every week come together to seek God, talk about spiritual matters, and see how they can kind of connect with the God who made them. We sat down and spoke to the women who met there, and a certain woman named Lydia heard us, And she was a seller of purple who worshipped God. Here's what you need to know about purple. Purple was a commodity in the ancient world that could only be bought by royalty. 
So she is a high-end seller of a high-end commodity in a major city. And yet despite her success, or because of her success, she made prayer and community and friendship important. And already we see the beauty of this woman. It's, it's the beauty of influence. She's influential. It's the beauty of seeking God, even with all the other demands on her life. It's the beauty of friendship and community. That she built a, a group of people to talk about life together weekly. To seek, like, what does it look like to lean in and lean on each other. And the beauty of success as a woman, as a mom. Have you ever taken a moment to notice the beauty in the people around you? To think about all the women who've influenced you in your life? Why don't we take a moment and do that? Let's take a walk through the, through the almond tree orchard. And I bet you you'll notice that each person, each woman in your life, has something a little different about them. For some women, it's, it's their kindness. For someone else, it might be their loyalty. Someone else, it might be their ability to speak truth. Grandma had this ability maybe to, to maybe cut through the lies and let you know, don't be deceived, don't be fooled by that. Other people, it's their gentleness. Other people, it's their inner strength. But do we take time to notice all the different aspects of beauty in our wives and those who've influenced us around us? As you continue that walk, have you thought about all the different women who've influenced you? How about your sister? <laughs> you think about all the ways you and your sister fought, but have you ever thought about the, the woman your sister's become? To appreciate the beauty of what she's wrestled with, how she's grown into what God has for her? Maybe it's your mother. Maybe it's your stepmother. Have you ever thought about honoring your stepmother for all the unique adaptations and bending and flexibility she had to have to try and figure out how to fit into the family? Maybe it's your daughter, and as she grows, you're just amazed at the beauty of who she's becoming, the woman she is. Maybe it's your aunt. There are so many women in our life, and I think if we just took a moment to remember our first boss, a coworker, the way in which God used the people, the women in our life, and we can take a moment and say, God, thank you. I want to honor and celebrate the, both the beauty and the bending or flexibility of those who adapted to me or spoke into me or were able to bring the best out of me. I was talking to a mom a few months ago who'd been coming to Horizon for about 15 years. When she first came, she didn't know a lot about God, didn't know a lot about the Bible, and was very, very intimidated. And yet she described a group of women at our church who befriended her and made her feel welcome, like Lydia did, asking questions about the God of the Bible she'd never heard of before. Didn't know a lot about. Made her feel comfortable learning how to pray, learning how to talk about God, learning how to talk to God. And she was so excited what God was doing in her, it began to influence her husband, her household, and then her kids. And her kids began to ask spiritual questions, even more than they were before. And she described a conversation with her son. When her son said, well, Mom, how do I know? What's the evidence you have that God exists and God loves me? And she says, well, as your mom, what evidence do you have that I love you? He said, well, I just know it. I feel it. So she said, well, there's evidence from philosophy and things, but in the same way you know my love as a mom to you, that's how I know God's love for me. I feel it. 
And see, that simple little explanation began to transform her son. And she was so excited to describe that this many years later that her kids have adopted this, this connection to the God of the Bible because of what God did in her and the women in our church who came alongside her. Just a few weeks ago, I was talking with a, another guy at our church who's a doctor. And as with his medical practice, was, things were growing big, things were moving fast, and, and, and he was very, very busy with it. And his wife was farther along than he was spiritually, and, and she began to kind of initiate them finding a church and ultimately found Horizon when we were back at Cincinnati Country Day. And he said, you know, there's several things about my wife that influenced me. It was her commitment to spirituality when there's a whole bunch of other things that seemed to make that second place, but she made it a priority in our family. More than that, I think I learned about God's grace and mercy because my wife is so gracious and forgiving when I made mistakes and when I said stupid things to our many, many years of marriage. There's even times she challenged me when she one time said to me, you know, why are you in this family if you're never home? The kids need you. And it was kind of a wake-up call, and I reordered my schedule during that season, and I'm so glad I did so I didn't miss out on my kids' life. But I, I wouldn't have done it if it hadn't been for my wife. Several years ago, uh, I walked into a restaurant, and I could see a group of women who come to our church, and they were sitting in a booth, and I ended up being seated next to them, but I didn't say hi quite yet because I was eavesdropping. And so as I was listening, I heard them, uh, four or five women describing the challenges of being a woman in our culture today, and just how hard it is to live up to your own expectations and, and our culture's expectations and everyone's expectations. They said, you know, we have to be perfect all the time. Everyone's always evaluating us. Everyone's always critiquing us. And of course, we've got to look beautiful. We gotta, we're always being compared to, to magazine covers and TV ads. It's just so hard. It's so hard to live up to all the expectations. And then one of the women said, and you know what the worst of it is? And they're like, what's the worst of it? The guys don't have any of that. Those guys all look the same at age 50. They've all lost their hair and they're all supporting the dad bod. And they look in the mirror and they still think they all look good, right? And they all burst out laughing because of the way in which our culture defines beauty in a certain way and imposes that rather than celebrating what God sees as beautiful. So this Mother's Day, I want you to feel the honor of God, that he honors you for your beauty and for the way in which you've bent to adapt to the needs of other people in your life. But it's more than that. It's also honoring flexibility and fruitfulness. It's honoring that in the same way the almond tree brings forth fruit and has this unique beauty, so does motherhood and so does womanhood. I mean, think about the flexibility first. I mean, in most churches or most cities, rather, where there was a, a large Jewish population, there would be a synagogue. But there's no synagogue here in Philippi. It could be an excuse to say, well, there's no church. I guess we won't come. I guess we just won't make spirituality a key thing. We'll go to Apollo or to the Zeus temple. But the flexibility of Lydia is she said, even though there's no synagogue, let's meet together at the river. They were flexing, finding ways to get the needs met and conversations met and community met. They flexed. It says, we went out to the city, to the riverside. Yeah, let's make it work there. That'll be a good church service. And let's do it every week. Prayer was customarily made there. And it's in this moment when Lydia's hanging out that Paul shows up and doesn't just tell her about God in general, but a God who came from heaven to earth. And it says that God opened her heart 
man, I want to know a God like that. And she began to heed or lean into those things spoken by Paul. In fact, that river is there today. They have it marked where Lydia prayed with her friends. And it was here, she went from hearing about God to hearing about the God who came to dwell among us. In fact, later on, Paul will write, this small group of women will become a church, and she will certainly be the leader of the church initially at least, and it will become the church of Philippi, to which Paul will write a letter we know as the book of Philippians, describing some of the things he might have told Lydia that day. He said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you about the God of the Bible. He didn't consider it robbery to be a person of God and to choose to adapt himself or to make himself a mortal to adapt to the needs of others. Our God is so flexible. He could have stayed at a distance, but instead he adapted or flexed himself to come to become a mortal and to die with us and die for us. And Lydia is so struck by this God who would adapt and sacrifice and prioritize and make himself what we needed. She says, I want to know more about that God. In fact, you may have heard about the motherly love of Jesus when Jesus looked over Jerusalem one day and seeing that his people, his kids were about to go through a very tough time, Jesus said, oh, like a mother hen longs to bring his brood of chicks under his wing. That's how I feel toward my people. That Jesus uses the, the instinct of a motherly protecting to describe his love for his people. I mean, think about your mom, all the ways your mom was flexible for you. I mean, once it's how her body flexed for you so you could be born. How she got up early to get you ready for school. How she flexed with her business schedule to try and be at the ballet practice or to be at the soccer game. How one particular night that you finally felt open to talk and you know, there's very few moments that you kind of opened up your heart and your mom stayed up late but she's a morning person because she wanted to listen and hear about what's going on in your life and in your heart. Just the flexibility of the women in your life to adapt to your needs. I did a funeral several years ago and I was talking with a, a woman there and a good friend of mine and as she was describing thinking about her mom, she said, you know, now that I'm a, a mother of teenagers, I'm just struck because I'm trying to be at all my kids' events like my mom was at mine, and we got select soccer over here and swimming over here and ballet here, and I'm running all over the place trying to support my kids and all those other things, and I, I'm quite frankly exhausted. But it's striking me, my mom did that for me for years when I was a teenager. I never even thought about how it might be challenging or require some scheduling. And I am so appreciating my mom today. It took me 30 years to catch up, to see the ways and notice the ways that she loved and adapted to me. But it's not just flexibility. It's also fruitfulness. See, God designed motherhood and womanhood to be fruitful. The almond tree brings forth fruit. In fact, when you see those flowers, they eventually become almonds on the branch. And let's face it, you got to be a little nuts to be a mom, don't you? Because you're raising a bunch of nuts. And, and even before you became a mom, you talked to other people who said, my kids are driving me nuts, right? And you decide to be a mom anyway. 
But here's what's amazing. Whether it's motherhood or womanhood, God designed women to bring forth spiritual fruit, to influence the people around them. So whether God's given you the gift of being a mom or whether you are a gift of an influence of those around you, God designed us to be fruitful by pouring peace into other people and love into other people and courage into other people and kindness into other people. That's exactly what we find with Lydia. In fact, the Bible does not record whether or not Lydia was a mother at all. We don't know if she was married. We don't know if she had kids. She may have. There's a hint here, but we don't know. It says the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Then she and her household were baptized. Now, the household could be she had a major household with lots of household employees. It could be that she wanted all of her household, her employees, to know. And to bring fruit in their life by finding the kind of joy and hope that she had found. Or maybe, we don't know. Maybe she was married with kids and she wanted all of her kids and her husband to know about the God she just discovered. The Bible's silent, except that she was bringing forth fruit with whatever people she had around her. And she wanted to be baptized, which is a way of publicly saying, hey, God died for me and just as he, I go in the water... And under the water, I've been buried, my sins have been buried with Jesus. And as I come out of the water, it's a reminder that I'm alive with Jesus like his resurrection. She goes, I want to be baptized with a God who flexes like that. I want to bring fruit in my life. Well, Paul, remember, Paul only wanted to be there for two or three days. Paul's like, we got to keep moving. But she persuaded us. I bet she did. High-end closer. She's been closing people and seller purple for a long time. She has closed the Apostle Paul. I need you to stay here a few more days because my whole household needs to hear this message. That's exactly what happens. More than that, there will be a time in the book of Acts that Paul will be pretty beat up. Um, he'll be bruised and whipped and attacked and stones thrown at him, left for dead several times. And he'll say, where could I go for comfort? Where could I go for help? Where could I go to be encouraged? In the book of Acts, it says, after he'd been beaten, he says, let's enter the house of Lydia. That's a place we can be nurtured and cared for and encouraged. And that little group of women who met at that river that day would form a church known as the Church of Philippi. And Paul will write a book, a letter called the Book of Philippians, where he will say, boy, Lydia's influence on the spirit of that church was so powerful that I have never seen in any church I've been part of the spirit of generosity, of giving and receiving like I saw there. And again, we see this fruitfulness of the way in which Lydia influenced generations. And every time we read the book of Philippians today, it's the continued influence of this woman who is fruitful in her spiritual impact. In fact, the Bible describes all kinds of moms and all kinds of names of moms. And each name tells us a little bit more about how God honors the beauty of motherhood. The name Eve means the giver of life. We honor our mothers for giving us life. The name Sarah from the Bible means a noblewoman or a princess. Ruth in the Bible is a compassionate friend. You ever noticed how many ways mothers can be compassionate friends? Hannah is one who's found favor with God. Here's a couple you may not recognize. The first book of the Bible chronologically is the book of Job, even though it's stuck in the middle with the poems and the other poetry books. The book of Job, the first chronological book in the Bible, 
Job has several daughters after he goes through a very difficult time. And he names his daughters Jemima, which means dove, and Keziah, which means spice tree. And despite living in a patriarchal society that only gave inheritance to men and not women, Job is so impacted by this whirlwind experience he has with God and the heart of God and God's love and concern for nature and creation all around him that for the first time in human history that's recorded, Job gives an inheritance to each of his daughters in contrast to the culture of his day. Little spice tree and eyeshadow and dove. Mary, Jesus' mother, her name means beloved. And Lydia, the beautiful one, the bending one. In fact, if you go there today, they've set up a baptism at the exact location that Lydia and her household got baptized. So you can go to Philippi today, and here's a place you can step into the river and be baptized. It's the continued fruitfulness of the spiritual influences in our life. Think about your grandma's impact on you and your kids and future generations. In fact, if you come to Horizon, we have a baptism coming up in a few weeks, and maybe you're interested in, in bringing your family to be part of that. If you step outside on our atrium, uh, out of our atrium there and onto the terrace, you will see over the years women being baptized, baptizing husbands, cheering on their kids. You will see men and women, children in our pool who had women who've been volunteering in the children's ministry who they say, I want Miss Sierra, I want Miss Tammy to baptize me. It's a community. It's a, it's a community we have of women investing in people and cheering along from the sidelines of all the ways in which God is working in our heart. In fact, Sierra Strong, our children's director, told me the story of Savannah. And Savannah's baptism back in 2019, and I want to share that story with you. Here's what Sierra wrote. And that's Savannah, and that's her mom looking on. Savannah was a sweet and spunky girl who attended church with her grandmother, she always had a ton of excitement to come to church, and she looked forward to classes. One day, she asked about helping in the tech booth in East Station. Oh, she was over the moon any time she was available to help before she wanted to serve. Savannah's mom and dad and brother had never been to Horizon, but one day Savannah came running into the building straight up to me shouting, Miss Sierra, Miss Sierra, guess what? What? I replied. She said, I want you to baptize me. I was so honored. And I asked if she wanted anyone in the water with her, and she started naming off every single person she could think of. We laughed and talked about how the pool wasn't quite that big. So she decided she wanted to have her mom and dad help baptize her. Well, the day of the baptism finally came, and Savannah's whole family showed up to celebrate. We climbed into the water, and Savannah's mom's face gleamed with pride and joy. In fact, Savannah's mom gave us permission to tell the story, and she wrote what she was feeling that moment looking on and watching her daughter being baptized here at the church. She said, Savannah would tell her father and I frequently that she wanted to be baptized. She insisted she was ready. We had many talks about what that meant and the responsibility that comes with it. While in the water, I felt such great joy as she was blessed by God and committed to serve him. It was encouraging to see the excitement she had as she was being baptized. As her mother in the water with her, it gave me sense of peace that my daughter wanted to serve God and live her life for him. Spiritual fruit. It's what we're about as a church. Comfortably connecting you to God through the Bible and a community, a true community of growing Christ followers. So this Mother's Day, 
You've probably heard the old phrase, extend an olive branch to someone when there's been friction. Instead of extending an olive branch, I'd like you to extend an almond branch to your mom. To notice all the women in your life and extend an almond branch by noticing the beautiful aspects of their life, the way they've adapted to you or flexed to you. In fact, I came across this idea that the Bible uses the almond branch as a sign of God's promises a few years ago in a series at our exploring service on the book of Jeremiah. Because during the series, we decided to teach using a, a totally different teaching method as we told the story of Jeremiah. And here was the verse that captured me. God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you've seen well. I am ready to perform my word. I'm like, is that clear to somebody else? Because it's not real clear to me. How is that helpful? So I did a little research on the almond tree. It turns out that the almond tree is the first to flower in the Middle East. It's the first to flower, but the last to bring forth fruit. And God was saying that right now, Jeremiah, I am here. I'm the flower. My promises are as real now as they will be. But the fulfillment of what I'm telling you, the fulfillment of the promises, when they come to fruition, it's going to take a while, like the almond tree. So you can know I'm here now with the flowers, but no, you're not going to see the full extent of what I'm doing until much, much later. And could there be a better metaphor of motherhood? You have been here and your mothers were there for you right here and right now during the ups and during the downs. But the full fruition of being a mom doesn't come today or tomorrow, but 20 years, 30 years, 40 years later. And for many of us, it took 20 or 30 years to notice all the ways that our mom had brought fruit into our life. The same thing's true with God. He's here for you now. And the things he's doing in your life may take a while to work out, but they are just as real as that flower. And that flower is the sign that the almond is to come. Well, as I mentioned, the last three years were a challenge, and specifically with my wife who had two back surgeries and spent literally one year laying on the, uh, a mattress in our living room watching TV with me. But a year, she just couldn't move. First back surgery seemingly went well, and then everything got undone. And her sciatica was just in severe pain. And we were about to do this series on Jeremiah, and she had a second surgery planned. And I said, well, one thing I'd love to do with this new series is I'd love to teach using all felt. I'd like to have a little felt uh, board with a, a felt picture of Jeremiah. I'd like to tell the whole story instead of using PowerPoint to use all with felt. And my wife says, well, I love doing felt stuff. And she's very creative, an incredible craftsman. She said, I would love to make all that. I said, honey you've got enough going on with you. She's like, no, no, if I can help encourage people, if I can help inspire people, I want to do that. And of all the pieces we did in that series, Benefit of the Doubt, my favorite was the almond branch. This big piece of felt that we put up on a felt board that had these beautiful flowers. If you look real carefully in there, you can see little brown almonds in the background. I was just reminded of how my wife, despite her pain and despite the challenges she was going through, wanted to adapt and serve and use her gifts to inspire others. Think of how many ways your mom and the women in your life have adapted and sacrificed to serve and help you. That's what today's about. 
know, God said that every good gift comes from above. That whether your mother was a person of faith or not, every good quality that flowed out of her is a sign of a God who's the source of all those qualities. So moms, women, thank you for your beauty. In a culture who doesn't appreciate it or fully understand what real beauty is, you're beautiful to us and you're beautiful to God. Let me pray for you on that note. Father, thank you for the beauty of holiness. Wholeness. Full, whole peace and full, whole joy and full, whole kindness. God, we thank you for the beauty of the women who've influenced us, the mothers who raised us. And we thank you in each unique way. We want to notice all the different personalities and all the different attributes of the women in our life and just say, God, to you and to the women in our lives that they are so beautiful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. We appreciate you being here today. And again, if you're new to us, we just want to say welcome, and we hope this is our gift to you. If you are interested in being baptized, and maybe this got inspired, and you want to talk to John or I or any of us in the hearth room, we'd love to do that. Again, for those of you watching online, thanks for being here today. And those in the atrium, happy Mother's Day to you as well. We'll see you all next week. See you then. <laughs>